0: Log Talk Radio. What's up? What's happening?
1: It's Monday night, and that means it's time for another episode of the official podcast for RedbirdRants.com, Fansided's blog dedicated to all things St. Louis Cardinals. I'm here with Nathan Grime and uh, Trevor Hooth, who is a former fellow contributor, but is now, it appears, I'm looking on Twitter, the new site co-expert for reviewing the brew, Fansided's blog dedicated to the brewers. So congratulations, man, even if you are a bit of a trader.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. You know what some opportunities are just too good to pass up, right?
1: <laughs> Indeed, brother. Congratulations. Nathan, thank how are we doing, man, on this on this uh fine fourth of July weekend?
2: Pretty good. Enjoying the uh enjoying the holiday of course and uh good start to the Cardinal stand over the weekend. It's been good.
1: Indeed, on uh the last episode on Thursday, uh uh Josh, myself and, and you Nathan, we discussed the importance of this upcoming homestand this 10 game homestand and they got off to a good start the cardinals did two of three against the nationals which is very big considering what a good road team they are um i wasn't expecting it but i was pleasantly surprised to see it this of course comes fresh on the heels of a series win against arizona gentlemen these are two really good teams these are two genuine contenders in the national league so what have we learned about the cardinals here in these last week or two um are, are they the type of team that, when they're playing their best, can they get to the point where they're contenders as well? Uh, Trevor, let's start with you.
0: Well, both of the teams that they just beat are, are legitimate playoff contenders this year. I mean, they're probably going to make the playoffs. They can go deep. So I think that they definitely show that when they're playing their best, the Cardinals can compete with any team in the National League. Um, I think that a lot of this might have been sparked by the, youth, by the youth movement they've been doing. There's been a lot of young guys called up that have been been performing. um most impressively, Luke Voigt, but that's something we can get into later. Um, I and on the last Monday's podcast, Tito and I talked a lot about how important that Arizona series was because you know we hit it right before that started, and and that I was very impressed to see that because as what I said last week was that Arizona was a team that was going to hit the ball; they were going to um, build off their own momentum, and the Cardinals pitching needed to show that they could stop that. Which, for the most part, they did. There were not a whole lot of um, runs scored so I think that uh, I think that showed a lot and of course they beat the Nationals which are one of the best teams in the league you talk about the pitching staff that they have I think they showed a lot and I think that it's it's a positive um, it's a positive moving forward
1: yeah I mean I think in both of those series we saw maybe the bullpen struggle a little more than we'd like but the starting pitching's been pretty good uh, say you know Carlos Martinez's last start there against Scherzer and I think that's <laughs> been you know a, a a big difference here in these last two series. Nathan, what are you seeing here? Is there a common denominator between uh, these two series and the the success the Cardinals have been seeing?
2: I think the starting pitching one has, has improved, uh, stabilized, I think is the word I would use. Um, You know, before Carlos Martinez start last night, uh, Sunday night in the loss to the nationals, the Cardinals had uh, five straight quality starts from their starters, which is what we saw at the beginning of the year. Um, But the combination of starting pitching and then offense, that's what wins you ball games. And you can score runs early, but when the starters can, uh, you know, limit damage, prevent runs, and then the bullpen, you know, while it hasn't been uh, shut down, it, you know, has been good enough in the past week to get some victories. But I would point to the offense. Um, Seems like it's the lineup is steadying as far as uh, the look of the lineup. Carpenters there to stay at the top. Uh, Tommy Pham has been – you know, he's been the heart and soul of the offense, I think, in the past couple of weeks. You know, whether he's batting second, third, or in the middle of the, lo- of the lineup um, on base five times tonight against the Marlins. Again, that's good to see. Uh, Jed Jerko's been uh, solid in the in the cleanup position. Still waiting for Steven Biscotti to get going. But Yadier Molina as the uh, as five-hitter, that's uh, a move that a lot of us, I know, question um, as to how good he can be in the middle of the lineup because he's not so much of a um, you know uh, on-base guy besides just the hits he gets, but he's actually had a pretty good season at the plate and rewarded with an all-star selection. I know we'll get to that later, but I think I would point to the offense really as uh, key in getting to the Diamondbacks and the National pitching staff.
1: I agree, Nathan, and I want to circle back to a point you snuck in there, which is a lot of this seems to have followed the move of bringing Matt Carpenter back to the leadoff spot. Uh, Trevor, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, It's been something that's been discussed a lot amongst Cardinal Nation. The numbers obviously have shown throughout his career that despite a skill set that you typically see associated with a hitter in the three or four spot in the lineup, Carpenter really only produces on that fringe MVP level when he's in the leadoff spot. So are you comfortable with the Cardinals leaving him there for the remainder of the season?
0: Absolutely. If he's going to perform, that's where you want him because you come into the season Matt Carpenter is supposed to be one of your top hitters. Uh, you can maybe throw Dexter Fowler there um, preseason, but he's the guy that you want there because he's, uh, he's been your most consistent hitter for the past few years, and if that's where he's going to perform, he's going to be a catalyst for the rest of that lineup. I mean, you saw what happened to the Cardinals' offense as soon as they made that move. They exploded. So to keep him there is something that I think is necessary if, they wanna, if the Cardinals want to continue to make a run at the NL Central.
1: Nathan your thoughts
2: I mean for sure and I think um, you know part of the reason moving carpenter to leadoff has worked so well is that he you know he's still only batting 230 but his on base percentage is near 400. so that just speaks to his ability to still you know not be anxious at the plate uh, draw walks work deep in counts and I think that just fits better in the leadoff spot than it does in the three hole um you know we we haven't seen the MVP-type numbers from Carpenter as far as uh, hitting is concerned. Uh, he's had some good stretches, uh, both in the three-hole at the beginning of the season and um, kind of that first week and a half back in the leadoff spot, um, you know, at the plate, in it's in hitting, getting extra base hits, home runs, driving runs in. But, I mean, since then, he's, he's tailed off a little bit offensively, but he's still drawing walks, still getting on base, and that is still valuable in the leadoff spot, whereas if he was in – the three hole and going through a slump at the plate, that was more magnified and that'd be more of a hole in the lineup for the Cardinals as opposed to him in the leadoff spot.
1: Right. And I love his ability to set the tone with long at bats, right? Carp's a guy who's particularly comfortable batting out of, you know, with two strikes on him, even down in the count. And I really like that out of your leadoff guy, because I think in the modern game, if you can knock that starter out in the fifth or sixth inning, You've got a great chance of winning that game, also got a great chance of you know success in the series moving forward. Carpenter's that kind of guy to me, and I've always felt over the last two to three years that when he's clicking in that leadoff spot, everything else follows. And I think a lot of the success we've seen from Yadier Molina, for example, in that five hole can really be attributed to that decision to move Carpenter to the leadoff spot.
2: Sure, and we saw it tonight. I mean, Carpenter won for four on the evening when it's all said and done tonight against the Marlins, but he had the leadoff base hit in the bottom of the first inning, and that got the Cardinals rolling. They scored four in the first, um, you know, seven runs in the third, and they don't look back from then and get and get a, uh, a handy victory tonight. So, yeah, Carpenter just setting the tone in that first at-bat in the first inning kind of just seemed to jumpstart the offense tonight.
1: Trevor, you brought up the youth movement earlier and that's a good point um tonight we're seeing more offense from the cardinals 14 runs here they actually just wrapped this thing up they won 14 to 6 but it was a game that featured some more production from luke voigt including his first major league home run i think it was 400 plus feet to dead center uh what are you seeing out of these youngsters what type of spark have they provided for this team and and is it something that you think is sustainable moving down the line
0: Well, you see where the Cardinals were. They were in a place that was causing mass frustration among the fans. They weren't winning. All of a sudden, they're pulling up all these young guys, and and there's a lot of speculation that maybe it was just to showcase them. But you bring up a guy like Luke Foyt, who is uh, coming into the night hitting 385 with three doubles through 13 at bats, which is uh, very good, especially for rookie. And you were just waiting on his first home run to come, considering how much power he showed in the minors. So, I think that that would definitely be a huge spark plug um, for this lineup. And you talk about the other guys. You used to talk about uh, he his big home run the other day. And it just adds excitement to not only the fans, but it adds excitement to the team to have these young, hungry, and um, energetic players coming up. I mean, we saw this even earlier in the year when you call up a guy like uh, McNair Sierra and he comes up and hits 375 through his eight games. And, and, it's sent back down, but he provided something to the offense that I think was needed in order to push the Cardinals um, to where they are now. As far as sustainability, that's a tough sell for me. I think that even with the young guys, they're coming up with a bunch of energy and a, and a lot of adrenaline, and I think that may or may not die off, and it's going to that's where the veteran presence needs to shoot back in and, and be able to carry the offense again. And as we mentioned earlier, the bullpen needs to figure themselves out. You talk about two of the anchoring guys, Rosenthal with a 7 1-5 ERA last month, and O with a 5.73 um, for the month. So it they need to, the bullpen kind of needs to figure it out, or something needs to happen, whether it be internally or externally, uh, for the organization to uh, to get that bullpen back where it needs to be to help the Cardinals close out games.
1: Agreed, uh, Nathan. This youth movement is you know this one thing I like about this Cardinals team is that no matter what seems to be going on, obviously the team is underperforming a bit this year to this point in the season, but much like the Cardinal teams of the past, they always seem to be able to call these guys up and get production when they need it, when the veterans are slipping up, when the veterans are injured. It's a faceless army here in St. Louis. Uh, It seems to have bailed them out again, given them life here at the midpoint of the season. Do you think it's sustainable for the Cardinals moving forward?
2: Yeah, well, obviously Luke Voigt's not going to hit 400 on the year moving forward, just as Magnero Sierra wasn't going to get a hit every single game. Uh, He had, you know, the seven or eight-game hitting streak to start his career. But, um, you know, for a guy like Luke Voigt, I think a lot of it depends on how much playing time he gets. Um, We saw Carpenter move to second base tonight, so Voigt could play first base. I like that move, especially as, you know, it's a reasonable move with Colton Wong on the disabled list. You don't have to worry about moving Wong for the time being. But, you know, if Voigt's in the lineup and he, if he's seeing Major League pitching, um, you know, on a daily basis, you ride that hot streak as long as you can go. Yeah, yeah. for the Cardinals, as you mentioned, it seems like these young guys, um, you know, once they just get their feet wet, they uh, they start hot. Off. Um, you know, a lot of that has to do with, uh, the, you know, the Major League pitchers not having seen these guys with the guys being hungry, um, you know, a lot of energy getting their first call up, as Trevor mentioned. But, you know, Luke Voigt's a guy that has been in the minor leagues for a few years now, hit very well in double-A and triple-A. So, you know, I I don't think there's any doubt that he could be a legitimate option in this Cardinals lineup. We'll see how long it lasts. though. I think Voigt is a safer bet for a sustainable run of production than a guy like Alex Mejia, say. I think Mejia, you know, got the call-up so he could be a utility type. You know, I'm not sure how much playing time he's going to get. Um, you know, especially with Jericho entrenched at third base. Colton Wong uh, will be back at second base soon. And Paul DeYoung has held it down at shortstop for the past week. Um, so I'm not sure how, you know, Alex Mejia is not going to be a guy that's going to deliver a clutch home run in the eighth inning every single night. But, yeah, that was good to see. And that was a deciding a deciding home run on Saturday night against the Nationals. Um, but I Luke agree. I is, agree is and, the guy uh, I'm watching.
1: I agree with you about Voight, And I want to bring up this question. You talked about Colton Wong's imminent return um are you guys in favor of seeing an extended audition here of void at first base with carpenter at second to the point where if he's still hot if he's still playing well maybe we consider you know sticking with that plan moving forward or trevor we'll start with you are you at a point where when colton wong returns he needs to be on the field and in this lineup
0: i'm i would rather see voight at first and carpenter at second um i have been one of the most pessimistic people about Colton Wong this year, everybody's talking about what a great year he has. You say, Oh, look at his on base percentage. Um, he, he's, he's walked a lot this year. That's helped his on base percentage, but you got to remember he was hitting an eight spot. And so he had uh, eight intentional walks on the year before getting hurt. So that's something that, that was almost a red flag to me when you're looking at that uh, on base percentage, I, he's gotten better. He's having a better year than he, he's had in the past, obviously, but now he's hurt, and he came back and got hurt immediately in a different part of his body. So his durability isn't there. And I just, I would not want to see Colton Wong plugged into the starting lineup again immediately. If he comes back and maybe is playing well in some of the substitution roles, sure, give him a shot to start again. But to me, he needs to prove that he can stay healthy and kind of continue this, this uh, and come back as hot as he was and continue it. So I would, since Void is hitting well, and you move uh, carved to the leadoff spot, and he's starting to hit well. I think that is, is the best thing for the lineup, even when Colton Wong returns.
1: I agree. Nathan, where are you at with Colton Wong?
2: Well, the thing about Colton Wong is, yes, he does need to prove his durability. You know, he's been on the disabled list twice now this year. But as far as production is concerned this season, I'm not sure what more he has to prove. He's sitting around 300 on the year, you know, near the bottom of the lineup, still hitting uh, for a lot of extra base hits driving in runs when he has the opportunity. This has been his best season offensively, and, yes, it's been tarnished by the injuries, but I think when Wong comes back, I mean, his production this year and what uh, what he's brought to the field and what he's meant to the team. You know, the Cardinals were winning games when Colton Wong was in the lineup. I think he's got to play Wong. So then, yeah, you have to get creative if you want to keep Luke Boyd in there. The other thing is, you know, you know, Wong's track record this season is, you know, longer than Boyd. so let's see what Boyd can do in the next You know, we can have two weeks before Wong comes back, so we do have some time before we have to make a decision on that. But, you know, an option could be, if you want to, you know, get real flexible here at the infield, is if you want to keep void at first base and Wong's going to be your second baseman, Carpenter can slide back over to third. That is technically his natural position, and that's where he played a lot in the past couple of seasons. And then you move Jericho to shortstop. Um, The thing is, you know, you have Paul DeYoung at shortstop currently, who's been playing pretty well. But I mean, Jericho's bat has been one of the best on the Cardinals this season. And then that also creates some uncertainty for Ledna Diaz who is back in AAA. So I think this is a situation that we just have to kind of wait and see how it unfolds. And a lot of that depends on how Luke Voit does and how much playing time he does get uh, in the next week or so.
1: In that, I agree. There's a lot of contingencies here. It's hard to get a clear picture. But Trevor, I want to ask you, because I did ask Josh and Nathan last week, what is the ideal infield look for you right now? Assuming everyone's healthy, who do you have at what position?
0: I think it's kind of what it's been in the past. I, I right now uh, I like Void at first because he's hitting, and if he if he can continue to prove or continue to hit, then I think he should continue to get the time at first base. Um, he like Nathan was saying, he proved in the minors that he was able to hit, and so you have a lot of confidence that he'll be able to continue to do that. I think with that, you want to slide uh, Carpenter over to second. I like the young at short. Um, I think he's been doing a very serviceable job there and uh, is possibly the best option, especially with Diaz going down to uh, AAA. And then Jericho, he, he's changed his approach completely this year, and it's helped him become a much better hitter on the year. Um, you talk about last year when a third of his hits were home runs, and he hit a lot of home runs, but it's just a, a pace that I, I didn't like as a hitter. It's not what I wanted to see in the lineup and he would just try to pull the ball. This year he's using all fields, and he's, I believe, leading the team in batting average. So I think he should stay at third base. I think that's a great infield, and I think it'll perform um, like it has been in the past few days.
1: It's an odd problem, isn't it, on this Cardinals team? You've got too many talented guys at multiple positions. You're figuring out how to get them on the field, and yet you're two games below 500. It's It's bizarre to me.
0: It's not a bad problem to have. It just means you've got to find the right pieces to fit the puzzle. Right.
2: And a lot of it also has to do with uh, veteran presence versus a young guy trying to prove himself. You know, Carpenter's not going to lose regular playing time despite, uh, you know, the struggles offensively, but he is getting on base, as I mentioned earlier, and that's another, another thing Carpenter has going for himself.
1: Right. Well, I want to ask you guys about just sort of how you think the Cardinals should be approaching this break here and the trade deadline especially given the news i mean given the the results of this diving back series this washington series and the good start to the miami series here i will ask you guys if you think the cardinals should be buying or selling we'll have a brief discussion but first i'm going to take a quick break because we have to do that here on blog talk radio but don't go anywhere because you are listening to the official podcast for RedBirdRants.com. go birds And we're back ready to talk more Cardinals baseball specifically how you guys feel about this team headed into the trade deadline, buyers sellers. Nathan, we'll start with you. Have the last six or seven games given you any more of an indication that this team should be buying or selling at the deadline?
2: Well, yeah, I, when, you know, when you get closer to the division lead as are, you know, despite being under 500, if you're in contention, you know, you're in there to make the playoffs, of course, Um but I think they can still be a little bit of both. I've I've written about this in the past. They do have pieces like such as Lance Lynn and Sungwano, those are the two names, you know, near the top of the list, that are free agents at the end of the year that could entice another team that is in better position to make the playoffs that feels as if they're a in arm or just a starting arm away from having a legit shot at World Series. Um, especially if the Cardinals don't feel that uh, that's the direction they want to go in the off season as far as re-signing those guys. That being said, you know, with a shot at the postseason in reach, when you're only three games, three and a half games out as they are after tonight, you do look at improving your team and seeing what you can do to get you over that, over that, um, over that hump, which I think the Cardinals will probably consider doing if, you know, this small margin in the central division, uh, remains throughout July. So what does that look like? Um, There's been discussion about adding an offensive piece, which I think will still be a possibility. Um, But I think the bullpen is really what what needs to be addressed first and foremost, because you can score runs, you can have good starting pitching, but if your starting pitcher is not going nine innings every single night, which, you know, never happens in baseball these days, um, you know, that lead is not safe without a good bullpen. And that has, you know, as of right now, the the major um, concern for the Cardinals. So I think if they're going to be buyers, they need to look at adding some bullpen arms.
1: Trevor, you mentioned the bullpen earlier as an area of concern. Do you agree with Nathan both that, A, the Cardinals should be buying, and, B, if that's the case, that the bullpen is where they need to upgrade?
0: Well, I mean, what a difference a week makes. Last week I was saying I, they're probably uh, going to end up selling because uh it, it it depends on how these series went the series went in the favor of the cardinals so i really do think they should be buying and uh a lot of hype has been going into them going after jd martinez or Avisayo garcia um garcia actually just got hurt and martinez is still hitting really well the tigers are going to are going to dump them off somewhere but i don't think that's the case anymore i really do think they need to look at some sort of pitching and i um i think if they can get to the tigers before they get off jd there's a good bullpen option there in justin wilson Um, Justin Wilson's closing out games for him. He went through a rough patch recently, but has looked completely dominant in his past few outings. And um, it's hard for a team to want to give up their closer, but the Tigers have one of their top prospects, Joe Jimenez, uh, working his way through, or he's in AAA right now. Actually, he saw Major League time earlier, and they're really excited about him. So they may be willing to push out Justin Wilson, who could immensely help the back end of the Cardinals bullpen. Um, the other news from the Tigers, if you're looking into some form of pitching help, is they said they were willing to eat a huge amount of Justin Verlander's contract. He's having a bad year, but, uh, I mean, the Cardinals have a track record of taking those guys and, and almost turning them around when they're uh, in St. Louis. So that's also something to look at, not something I think would, would I would want to happen, uh, but it's just an option. So, um, yes, I agree that the bullpen definitely needs help, and I think that if they look to the Tigers' Justin Wilson, I think that's, the best move to make for it
1: Trevor is there a a package the Cardinals could put together that you think would land Wilson and maybe even a Martinez
0: um if you're my only problem trying to get Martinez is you're going you're going to have to give up probably uh Harrison Bader who has who's said to have the highest ceiling uh for a, a Cardinals hitting prospect so if they're willing to give him up, then maybe uh, he would have to probably be the main piece along with another fairly highly-touted prospect, um, which I, the Cardinals have in spades. But uh, there is potentially, it just depends on how much mosaic is willing to give up. So it would be great to get Martinez and Wilson, but I don't know how plausible that actually is because it's going to have a very high price tag on it.
1: Nathan, is there anyone on this team that, maybe others are tossing out in trades that you personally feel should be considered untouchable right now?
2: Well, there's been some discussion about Matt Carpenter perhaps being moved. And, you know, it's not so much that I, I wouldn't want to see Carpenter moved. I know he's valuable to the team. I just don't see it happening. I don't see it as realistic at all. Uh, Mike Matheny values Carpenter a lot. And I know the Cardinals front office values him as well. Um, just what he brings to the team. Um, so that, that's been thrown out there a little bit. I just don't see it happening. Um, as far as anyone else, I know there's the obvious untouchables, um, like or Molina or Carlos Martinez or guys like that. Um, but I haven't seen too many names swirling around. I saw Jed Jericho's name as well. I would be a little bit wary of uh, dealing Jed Jericho just because the Cardinals, you know, as we've been discussing already on this show, kind of have a little bit of a fluid situation in the infield. Um, Jericho's been a stability over at third base and in the cleanup spot for the Cardinals. So um, I'd be hesitant to sell on Jericho. I'm not sure um, how much merit those rumors actually have, Um, but we'll find all of that out here in the next month, I suppose.
1: We're just a few games away from the All-Star break, gentlemen. And as we mentioned on Thursday's podcast, it's a slightly different All-Star game this time around, obviously. Less implications this game will not decide or will not dictate, rather, who has home field advantage in the World Series. We've got two selections from the St. Louis Cardinals. Carlos Martinez and his battery mate, Yadier Molina, will be heading to the All-Star Game. Trevor, let's start with you. Before we talk about maybe guys, maybe guys in the Cardinals uniform that were left off of this roster, let's talk about the two that were selected. Do you feel like these guys deserve to be headed to the All-Star Game?
0: Absolutely, I do. Um, Carlos Martinez, I think, is kind of the obvious selection there, um, especially how in recent games he's just been lighting it up. I know he started off slow, but he's picked up to become the ace that, that the Cardinals needed him to be throughout the year. Um, and it, even Yadier Molina is not really surprised anymore. I mean, you talk about guys who are legacy getting in just off that, but um, I don't want to say that's him because he's hitting two seventy seven this year, so it's not like he's having an awful year and he was just voted in because his name is Yadier Molina. Um, he may not be the player he used to be, but he's still having a good enough year. And I think that, um, you know, his history of gold gloves and and even playing off the season he had last year, I definitely think that these guys are the two that should make it from the Cardinals. Um, I think, yeah, the right choices were definitely made.
1: Nathan, where are you at with these selections?
2: Well, we all figured that Carlos Martinez would be on the All-Star roster and indeed that happened so I don't think that surprised anybody. Um, the Molina uh, choice was perhaps a little bit surprising just because his numbers don't pop out to you as much. Yes, he's not having a terrible year. Um, but they're not, you know, typical um, you know, All-Star numbers offensively, but then again, the catching position has never been a premium position for offense. But um, given that the players voted Molina in, that doesn't really surprise me. He's, you know, well-respected around the league, does have the reputation. Um, I'm sure guys from other teams like being around him uh, in in All-Star Week just talk baseball or pitching or, or whatnot with Molina. So um, in hindsight, I guess that one doesn't isn't too surprising either.
1: Agreed, agreed. And I'm also comfortable with it, even if some feel like maybe it's a bit of a stretch. I I never really mind guys like Yadier Molina sort of being rewarded in the latter stretches of their careers because I think Mm -hmm. it sort of all evens out over time, right? Like I can think of times when in the beginning of Molina's career when he was underappreciated on the national stage and Brad Ausmus is winning gold gloves ahead of him, which I'm still upset about. So it's perfectly fine with me to see Molina, even if if you were to interpret this as a courtesy vote or a courtesy inclusion,
0: I'm comfortable with that as well.
2: Yeah, that's a good point you
0: make.
1: Let's talk about Molina some more, though, guys, because this sort of got me thinking, you know, it's a fun question. Does Yadier Molina deserve to be included in the All-Star game? I want to sort of take that question even further. If you spend any time on Cardinals Twitter, like all three of us do, you'll notice a variety of opinions about Molina and this contract extension he signed headed into the year. You know, Prior to this month where Molina's been a little more successful, he was struggling, and folks were upset. Nathan, let's start with you. How did you feel about that contract extension when it happened, and do you feel any differently about it today?
2: Well, I was in favor of extending Yadier Molina's contract um, for, for for the reasons that he still has value, obviously, on the Cardinals and also that he is has such a legacy in St. Louis that you didn't want to see him go and end his career with another team. Um, I think he's given you pretty much what you would have expected this season. Um, you know, above average offense, nothing too eye-popping, but solid offensively. And there haven't been too many complaints about his defense. Yes, there's been, you know, a, a decline in the caught stealing rate perhaps. He's had maybe a few more passed balls than usual, but overall he's done – a solid job and he's held to a very high standard because he's the out here Molina and the fact that we haven't been complaining all too much um you know should say something about the job he's done of course the x factor in all of this is Carson Kelly waiting in the wings and he's having a fantastic year um you know in triple a ball the top catching catching prospect you know across major league baseball he's you know hitting cleanup for the Memphis Redbirds so he's got the offensive game working, and, you know, he won a gold glove in the minor leagues a couple of years back. Um, so it seems like he is going to hopefully be the real deal, you know, one of these days, whether he can translate that into the big league, you know, or would be able to translate that into the big leagues if given the opportunity today, you know, I'm not so sure about that. But he has the tools, and, you know, we'll have to see. I don't, I don't see Carson Kelly being traded this year. I really hope they don't trade him because uh, you know you 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 don't always have, you won't always have the to top catching prospect in baseball. So once you have him, you got to hold on to him. In my opinion,
1: I definitely want to have this Carson Kelly conversation, and I do want Trevor's thoughts on that. But first, Trevor, how do you feel about the extension yourself?
0: Well, I think Nathan hit a lot of the right points there. I was in favor of it when it happened. I'm still in favor of it. Uh, mostly because I want him to be able to retire in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform. He He's too beloved in St. Louis. Um, he's still going to be able to give you some production, but I think the value in the contract is going to be uh, off the field because, uh, like Nathan was saying, Carson Kelly's the X factor there. I I differ in that I would like to have seen him up and splitting time with Molina this year because he is having such a good season in AAA. Um I think that he needs to start getting – any knowledge from uh, Molina that he can. And and I think that's kind of where the Molina extension finds its value is how, and how he's going to help Carson Kelly grow. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that's handled in the future, but um, the extension was definitely a good idea.
1: I agree, man. And I'm really, really glad you brought up the off the field stuff because that's something that Cardinals fans knew well before the national average baseball fan became aware of Molina and his value was that this guy has every single intangible you want out of your starting catcher. And to me, it always comes back to that brilliant uh, uh, world baseball classic run that Puerto Rico had not this most recent tournament, but the time before that. And the pitching staff was so quick to credit Yadier Molina with all of their success in fact, it was rumored at one point that they literally didn't shake him off once throughout the entire tournament. And when I think of Yanni Merlina, that's what I think of, that value that he brings, a mentor to a pitching staff, a mentor to a young Carson Kelly, but really a voice of, you know, a a voice of stability, a voice of reason, and a mentor to a roster that's caught in between trying to compete now and trying to, to get younger. And so that's what cracks me up about some people having an issue with this Molina contract is because I think those are the same people that would be quick to question the leadership in this clubhouse and the leadership of Mike Matheny. And if that's the case, that it's lacking from a managerial standpoint, then you need it now more than ever from Yadier Molina. So I am thrilled to see that extension. And uh, go get your money, Yadier. Good for you, dog. Certainly. Carson Kelly is an interesting conversation. I, there's a lot of debate about what Trevor just said. Is, is, is there more value in having him up with the team, having him learn from Yadier Molina, or does he gain more from starting reps down in Memphis? Nathan, I know you've said this multiple times now. You kind of feel like the impact of AAA at-bats really only goes so far. So you are itching to see him in a major league uniform, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I think... Um this, I think, a good plan for this season, since we're already in July, would to have him up in September, like we had next season. But I think next year is going to be the real question as to how much time does he spend on the major league roster, and then how much time does he spend on the field.
1: Agreed, agreed. Trevor, let's. We don't want to. You know, we'll slow our roll. We don't want to do too much projecting into next year. But with regards to Carson Kelly. Where are you at? Would you like to see him with the major league roster next year?
0: Uh, I would like to see him with the major league roster next year. I want to see him this year still. Um, I know he'll probably get called up in September, but um, maybe now more. Maybe now more so. That's smart. But a week ago, when they weren't competing, I was I was about to make a huge call that they need to you know call him up, have him split time with Molina, especially since Molina's been having a little bit of injury problems. You know, he's he's missed a few games here and there. Um, and, and that's just uh, bigger because he was scratched from the lineup, not just getting a day off. So I think that I, I, want, I definitely wanted him up to start splitting time, start learning. But now that they're in contention, I think September's, a, September's good, and he needs to be up next year. Um, he's proven that he can hit in A. He doesn't need another year of that. Uh, he's, you know, he's. I think he's ready for the major league level, and I think that um we talk about untouchables, I I've always said he's the only untouchable player on the on the roster right now. I don't think anybody else should be. So there's a lot of value with him, and I think that he needs to be seen in some capacity this year and in I probably full capacity next year, whether that be starting or just taking a heavy load off of Yadier Molina.
1: He's certainly making it hard to look past him. He's been really exceeding expectations offensively for a couple of years now in the minors, but. Like we said, Molina's been playing well, so congratulations to Molina and Martinez on their all-star selections. Guys, let's talk snubs now. We'll start first with the Cardinals. Nathan, are there any other players you thought that were deserving of a selection?
2: Um, not necessarily. Uh, this is kind of something we all reached a consensus on last Thursday as well, so it wasn't really surprising to see uh, just the two selections. I guess the guy that I would say would be you know, closest to an all-star selection, that. Uh, For the Cardinals, that didn't get selected would be Jed Jericho. But then, of course, the problem is that uh, third base is such a rich position for the National League. uh, You already got Nolan Arenado starting, and then three of the guys on the final vote ballot for the National League are third baseman as well. So that just didn't uh, work in Jed Jericho's favor.
1: Agreed. Trevor, were you seeing any snobs there?
0: Uh, No, mostly just Jericho because he leads – a lot of offensive categories for the Cardinals right now, but uh, as Nathan said, that's, that's a really hard position to get into the all-star game. Um, I think a lot of uh, the other guy, a lot of people might say is Tommy Pham, just because he's been playing so well recently, but I don't really see him as a snub either. He's, he's had a good stretch of games, but I don't think he's been all-star good. Agreed.
1: Well, let's open it. up. I don't mean to put you guys on the spot here. We didn't talk about this too much in terms of prep, but let's open it up to the national and the American league rosters as a whole. I felt, looking at these rosters that the fans did about as good at a job a good a job as they have uh in the last five years that I can remember. Are there any snubs that stand out to you guys on either roster?
2: Well in the in the National League, as I as I just said, you've got all the all the third base and we'll have to see which guys end up making uh the final vote ballot. But you can't really go wrong uh with any of those guys on that final vote in the National League.
0: I uh, yeah. for both leagues. I think that there was a, a. I think that both teams are are set up really well. Um, I don't think there were any snubs. The only surprise to me, and I guess it shouldn't be really a, a surprise, is that Mike Trout got voted as a starter in the AL. Um, I know he's Mike Trout, and I understand that uh, fully, but he's been hurt, so I don't know about necessarily starter. You know what I mean? He's been out for a while, so it's it's hard to see him as a starter. But that was a surprise. But I think he still should be in the All Star game because of his name being Mike Trout.
1: Agreed. That's sort right. of like I, a – and... Sorry, go ahead, Nathan.
2: I was just going to say, I think I saw it announced today that uh, he was replaced by Mookie Betts um, as a starter because uh, won't, Trout won't be ready to go by the All-Star game.
1: Hey, we got to yeah, take and a break was... here. And... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Trevor.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, that's what I was worried about with him is not being ready for the All-Star start. Yeah, so good to see that he was replaced. That's the case.
1: Agreed. Well, we got a break coming up here, but before we head into it, guys, I want to ask you really quickly about the Home Run Derby. We have our complete list of participants, finally. Uh, we got Charlie Blackman, Mike Mustakis, Mike Stanton, Aaron Judge, Sanchez, Bellinger, Bauer, Sano. Are there any guys that you are particularly disappointed aren't performing this year? Trevor, let's start with you.
0: No, I really like that list. I mean, you talk about... Uh... You talk about some of the most exciting players this year in terms of home runs. Miguel Sano has been lighting it up, and he's kind of been doing it under the radar. I don't think he's been getting a whole lot of press coverage. Uh, obviously, Aaron Judge has been hitting home runs because anytime he walks onto the field, everybody assumes he's already hit three uh, just based off pure media coverage. And uh, So I think that it's going to be really fun. Um, I know there was a lot of controversy, people saying no, but if you don't want to participate, don't participate, and I'm happy you're not being there because I want it to be a fun event.
2: Definitely,
1: Nathan. Do you see any? Are there any disappointments for you in terms of that field?
2: Well, with so many power hitters in the game today, I guess you could have a lot of good uh, options for the derby. But like Trevor said, I mean, you've got eight, uh, you know, quality power hitters. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, One guy that I'm actually glad that made it, uh, that maybe isn't really on the national radar, is Justin Bour. Perhaps a little bit had to do with because the All-Star Game and Derby will be, um, you know, at home for him in Marlins Park, but. I just like uh, seeing Bohr hit, you know, no batting gloves. Big lefty, uh, seems like he just can one-hand the ball out, so that'll be fun to watch. I know everyone's eyes will be on uh, probably Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, but I'm excited to see Bohr as well.
0: Let me put
1: you guys on the spot again. If you had to pick one person right now to win this home run derby, who are you taking?
2: I'm going with Stanton back-to-back. I'm
0: going with bohr uh, Home. Ooh. I mean, he's been hit. He's been hitting really well. I think there's a lot of hype for Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, and and those guys, at least from what I've noticed and from what I like to remember, don't necessarily do as well as uh, everybody expects them to. So I think Bohr's going to be a dark horse coming up, especially playing in his home park.
1: That's a hipster pick, right there, man. I love it. All right, so that, that's going to bring us here to our second break of the evening. Don't go anywhere. we got about 20 minutes left in this edition of the official podcast for RedbirdRants.com. And we're back. It's the Redbird Rants podcast. I'm here with Nathan and my boy Trevor. Guys, we talked a little bit about the Arizona Diamondbacks series and this Washington Nationals series. Well, we've seen a good start to the four-game Marlins series, obviously a big win today. Uh, let's give some predictions here. How do you see the rest of the series playing out? Nathan, do you think the Cardinals can win this series against Miami? And are there any uh, in these next three games? Which ones do you expect them to take?
2: I think they they are in good shape to take uh, three of four. Winning the first one obviously helps. The offense is in a good spot right now. You almost throw out the uh, the performance the offense had last night against Max Scherzer, and even the night before against Gio Gonzalez because those guys are you know unbelievable starting pitchers. And the Marlins' uh, rotation is not a rotation that has anyone that really stands out to you as a young type pitcher. They're all kind of middle of the road uh, to below average guys. Um, if I had to make a prediction, I feel good with Lance Lynn on the, on the mound tomorrow night. Uh, Wednesday night you've got – or tomorrow afternoon, I should say, since it's the uh, the day game for the holiday. Wednesday night we've got Edison Volquez and Mike Leak. Um And then Thursday we've got Michael Waka and Tom Kohler. You know, I'm not sh- – you know, the optimism in me says the Cardinals have a real good chance that, you know, for uh, sweeping the four games, um, it's all about putting it all together. Obviously, uh, Lynn, Leek and Walker are all coming off of good starts. Hopefully they can continue that trend, and the offense will have to show up uh, for three games in a row if the Cardinals are going to win the series.
1: Trevor, do you like the Cardinals' chances to take the series?
0: Absolutely. Um, I've in the past admitted to being heavy into pitching when I look at who's going to win series. And uh, again, I think the Cardinals have a much better rotation than the Marlins do. And you just heard Nathan spew off who the, who the starters are. And I don't see any starter there that's going to put a roadblock in a, in a sweep. I think it's highly possible. It just depends on how the offense does the one game that you are a little worried about is Edison Volquez, because I mean, he did, he did do something great earlier this year, but obviously he can't, you know command that every night so it depends um on what he shows up as cuz obviously he's been good in the past he's kind of inconsistent so if he shows up well that's going to be a tougher game
1: indeed but it's really really encouraging guys as i look at this series to i i know they didn't make up any ground in the division but i'm just so thrilled that they were able to take the first two of three against washington um It just gives me a lot of confidence as a fan, but also that's just a great road team, and I was really expecting to drop that series. They've got some momentum going now. Um, Looking ahead past this Marlins series, they've got three more games against a Mets team that's reeling, a Mets team that's about 500 on the road. Nathan, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you with the Cardinals rolling into that Mets series?
2: Um, At this point, I would put it at uh, at least a 7. I I think that's a good... A good, solid place to be in right now, um, especially because of the teams that the Cardinals just beat. You know, if, if they had just swept the Phillies twice as they did in the month of June, you're like, oh, okay, well, they're the Phillies. But because they finally beat some premier teams like the D-backs and the Nationals, and because, um, you know, the, because of the way they're weighing these games, you know, not all of them have been nail biters, you have more confidence in these types of wins uh, than you would in some of the wins that the Cardinals had earlier this season.
1: What do you think, Trevor?
2: I think that,
0: you know, I'm looking ahead to that Mets series, and uh, it's the Mets have been kind of plagued by injuries here recently. So, I think that's going to go in the Cardinals' favor, and if they can play like they did to beat the legitimate teams, then yeah, you got to feel really confident going into it. Um, I know the Mets just got back Stephen Matz, and he's been pitching great, but other than that, they have had very inconsistent arms going out because they have they've had to throw them out there because um, they've their starting rotation has gotten plagued with injuries, and I'm not sure if Jonas Sessor is back 100% yet. I know he's been back, and they've been trying to work him in slowly, so that's also something to look at. Uh, you, you just got to feel confident just because of the unfortunate injuries, or I guess fortunate for the Cardinals.
1: I agree. I am surprisingly confident. I've uh, I've been trying to remain optimistic all year long. I know that's not super popular right now Cardinals' <laughs> nation. But I don't know, guys. I feel I feel like this team's got a shot if they could. The division has been weaker than I expected it to be. So if they can, you know, continue to keep this ball rolling here, headed into the break, I feel a lot better than I thought I would just one or two weeks ago. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, you right. talk about yeah, the weak division. <laughs> you talk about the weak division. I don't don't tell my writers I picked the Brewers to finish last this year. I did, <laughs> I did not expect them to play as well as they've been they've been playing. So um, it really goes to show this division can be thrown up in the air. And I've been saying this for weeks, the Cardinals were built to compete with the Cubs. And right now it seems they're competing for who's going to finish closest to 500. So if the Cardinals can take that edge over the Cubs and move up, it's, it's, it's their division for the taking.
2: I was just going to add, and because things, you know, over the course of the major league baseball season can change so quickly, you know, winning streaks can turning the into losing streaks. Uh, you know, the winning streak here right before the break is especially uh, refreshing for the Cardinals because, you know, if they can roll into the break, you know, let's say four, uh, if they can win the series against the Marlins and then even take the one against New York this weekend, that would be four consecutive series victories. And then you have just a little bit of a reset at the all-star break where you don't you ha- you know you don't feel the pressure necessarily of having to keep that winning going for week after week after week. You can just relax uh, for a few days and then just uh, pick it, hopefully pick it, back up right where you left it off.
1: I agree and you know one thing that's given me a lot of hope is I'm just avoiding looking at the wild card standings right now, right? The that that, <laughs> that game back column is not relevant to the Cardinals because as Trevor pointed out, this team was built to compete with the Cubs and to this point they actually have been doing that. Trevor, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you this question since we have you here, fan cited's new co-site expert for the Brewers. I wanted to ask you about this start to the season for them. They're sitting at 45 and 40. They're in first place. I guess the way I'd like to phrase this question, man, is at the end of the season, do you think the Cardinals will be chasing the Brewers or the Cubs?
0: I think both. Um, The Brewers are a perfect case of what we've been talking about before, of young guys performing on a consistent basis. Uh, You talk about Orlando Arcia, who's been hitting the cover off the ball recently. The surprise of Eric Thames, who's not necessarily young, but uh, he's been a huge surprise this year too. And uh, another big surprise there was the bullpen for the Brewers. They started off really strong. I think that's what propelled them to this lead. And then they died off, but they were able to bring up an arm like Josh Hader just to fill the bullpen, and they've gotten it going again. Um, The Cubs, they've started to figure out a little bit recently, um, especially with the move of Anthony Rizzo to the leadoff spot. He's been igniting their offense just like Carpenter did. Uh, when yeah. when the Cardinals him to the leadoff spot. So I think that's going to become a tight three-team race um, with obviously the Cubs headlining the Stars race for it, the Brewers headlining the underdogs, and the Cardinals headlining the, uh, you know, we're kind of used to being in this position because we it's rare for us not to win a division. So I think that it's going to be a very fun race, but I think it's going to be tight between those three teams.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Nathan, this Brewers thing, I mean, we talked about it in the first couple pods of the season, and I think we described it as unsustainable. Uh, They've sustained. Are you getting at all worried that this is a three-team race here in the Central at this point?
2: Well, I think, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, and there's no reason to believe that, uh, you know, that's what it will be for a while longer. Um, Something, you know, as we are, you know, over halfway through the season – something that kind of goes without saying, but because the Cubs and Cardinals have been hovering around 500 all year, it, it perhaps makes the Brewers, you know, look, you know, a little better than they're doing, obviously only five games over 500, but say the Cubs and Cardinals were both kind of running away with the, uh, the race in the division. I wouldn't be surprised then if the Brewers, you know, were still playing, you know, had, had a 45 and 40 record, you know, near the break, you know, this is the team that the Brewers have this year, you know, a team, that is competitive because of a weak division, but they' on, they're on the uptick and I expect them to not only compete for the rest of this season but you know be in good shape to compete uh, for seasons to come as well.
1: Trevor, given that this division's a little weaker than we all expected, do you expect the Brewers to be aggressive, headed into the deadline? Do you think they'll be willing to leverage any of that you know somewhat bright looking future to, to try to grab a division title now?
0: I don't. I think that they like what they have as far as, as, far as prospects. they got a, a lot of guys who are just playing so well right now and I think that plays into them competing for the division, um, the division this year because you look back, the Cubs obviously their they're, uh, young guys got more notoriety and are bigger stars but they were all really young last year when they made this, this run, this amazing run and won the World Series. So I think that even though the Brewers players aren't necessarily at the level the, the young Cubs were last year, they still have that young and hungry feeling that will definitely push them to compete for that division. So I, I think they'll be able to see that. I think they like their prospects. So I don't, I don't foresee aggressiveness around the trade deadline.
1: All right. Well, that brings me to my next questions, gentlemen. And we're going back to Cardinals baseball here. If they are, in fact, wheeling and dealing... Who is the first Cardinal on the 25-man roster that you expect to get traded this month? Nathan, we'll start with you.
2: I'm still think I still have a hunch that Lance Lynn is on his way out one way or another. I know he's valuable to the team right now, but uh, looking forward, just not sure that they would recite him in the off-season. So, I could see that happening perhaps this month. Trevor, uh, tough question because I mean coming in, I'm thinking.
0: Uh, Cardinal sell, 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 and I honestly would have said Matt Carpenter, but now that they're only three and a half games back, you want to keep him. Um, he's going to be vital to, to the lineup, so I would also have to agree. Lancelin is going. I think that there's an, they're going to be able to find enough pitching to uh, um, to fill that void, and they'll be able to get at least something for him. And uh, I think he's probably the most valuable trade chip on the 25-man roster.
1: What about that slightly overcrowded outfield? Randall Gritchick had lost the favor of the fans. He went back down to Memphis and did what everyone else does in Memphis. I don't know what they bathe in holy water or what is going on down <laughs> there, but they come back and they're superheroes. Is, Competent is the hitting story, coaches, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that could be it, that could, which begs the question. We'll, we'll have that discussion another day. Um, but has the Randall Gritchick story changed at all? Now, do you think he's less likely to get traded? Is there any chance that he could be included in a package to go get some help in the bullpen?
2: I think that's a, a very real possibility. Um, the, there is there is some overcrowding in the outfield, and I don't see Tommy Pham as a trade piece just because of how, how valuable he has been to the Cardinals. Um, the Grishik situation, perhaps it's maybe one of those where, you know, if he's squeezed out of playing time, then the Cardinals try to move him. But if he performs well, then his trade stock rises and the Cardinals try to move him. So I could see it happening either way. Um, they, they, the Cardinals do value Gritchick, obviously, because of the chances that they've given him up and down um, for the last three or four seasons. So I don't think they would make an impulsive trade that uh, that doesn't on surface appear to work to the Cardinals' favor. So if they do deal Gritchick, I would expect them to uh, you know, have a plan for that and get some real uh, immediate help in return.
1: Trevor, do you think Grichik is uh, safe at this point?
2: I definitely think he's on the trading
0: block. Um, as He'd have to obviously be a part of a package deal because he's not a headline name, even if he did go bathe in holy water in Memphis. Um, <laughs> he's just something – I mean, he's just going to be one of those players that you know, boosts the value to get somebody who could definitely help. Maybe he could – back end a package deal for uh, that package deal of uh, Wilson and Martinez we were talking about earlier. Um, obviously there's a whole lot of other parts that have to go into that. So it's really hard to predict where other teams would value him. I just don't think it's going to be high enough for him to be anything more than just an add on to a package deal.
1: I agree, which is why I'm actually in favor of the Cardinals keeping Grichik because I think the ceiling that we know Grichik has is more valuable to the Cardinals than the actual realistic value you would find by putting him on the market now. So I think it's worth the Cardinals keeping him around on the off chance that he does develop into that 25 home run a year guy, which I still think he can. Let's move it now to the minor leagues guys. Uh, Do you think it's possible that any of these guys get moved? If so, uh, Trevor, we'll start with you this time. Which player in the minor leagues moves this month?
0: Uh, I mentioned him earlier. I think Harrison Bader might be on the move. Um, I know that he's yeah. he's got a really high ceiling, but if the Cardinals are going to try to find value, they're going to have to give up some of that value. And you mentioned the overcrowded outfield. Um, and I've compared him and, and Sierra forever, and I always think uh, McNary-Sierra is going to be more valuable in the future anyway. So, uh, I, wrote, I, I mean, I did write about this. Harrison Bader should be a trade shift. I think he's going to be the first minor leaguer to go. He's been playing pretty well this year. Um, obviously teams are going to like it upside and I think that he's going to have to be a main, uh, a main bargaining chip if they're going to get anybody valuable to make a run at the NL central. Nathan, what
2: do you think? Um, you know, I see Harrison Bader. I think the Cardinals give Harrison Bader a chance to see what he can do in, uh, in the major leagues before they sell, sell on him. Um, he is the top outfield prospect, um, History tells us that it's kind of uncardinal like to deal a top prospect of a position, but I do see where Trevor's coming from as far as um, his appeal and what he would mean to other teams. Um, as far as a guy that I could see uh, in the minor leagues traded to another team as part of a deal, I think Marco, Marco Gonzalez, starting pitcher, uh, in, currently in AAA, had one start that didn't go so well uh, earlier in St. Louis this season. That's a guy that I could see. Being on a trading block, a former first-round pick, so obviously he has he has a ceiling. Um, he struggled with injuries for the Cardinals, and with a rich uh, farm system uh, at, at the pitching position for in, in the organization for St. Louis. I think Marco Gonzalez could be a guy that, if not already soon, is getting passed up by some up-and-coming guys that were drafted after him. So that would be a name I wouldn't be too surprised to see moved this month
1: definitely. And he's a guy that I think should be traded sooner rather than later. Um, Given all he's been through, his arm has been through, I'd like to try to to sell high on him now where the perceived value is maybe disproportionate to what he actually has left in the tank. So I think Gonzalo is an interesting option there. Yeah. All right, guys. So we mentioned earlier, the Cardinals are three and a half back of Milwaukee. I think they're a game and a half back of Chicago right now. Um, I believe that's the case. So let's say, Let's fast forward here, guys. It's July 31st. The month has ended. Give me the NL, the NL Central one through three, the standings. Trevor, we'll start with you. Who's in first place at the end of the month?
0: Uh, end of the month, I'm going to have to say the Cubs are in first place. I hate to say it, obviously, but I think that uh, they're starting to make that move, and the Cardinals are coming with them. Um, I know I've talked about how the, the Brewers are going to be able to keep up, and I think that that's where it's going to start us towards the end of this month. So i got to go Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers at the end of the month, um, but it's definitely going to be tight between the three.
1: Nathan, what do you think, brother?
0: Um,
2: I agree about the Cubs. I still think they are underperforming to a high degree this season, so I see them uh, making a move here in the month of July. Uh, see them in first place by the end of the month. Um, I'll, I'll go with the Brewers second and the Cardinals still in third, but the difference between these three teams I think will be um very small, perhaps even smaller than the three and a half games uh that they stand at currently.
1: All right, we've got a minute and a half left. I'm gonna launch into just a rapid fire here, so let's just give me one word answers if you can, okay? Least favorite player on the CUBS, go.
2: Javi okay. Baez.
0: Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh John Jones. I'm going to cheat and go with uh, Joe Madden. John
1: J. Joe Madden, Hobby Bias. Okay. Uh, do you miss more? Scott Spezio with the red go- uh, goat soul patch or David Eckstein?
2: Spezio. David Eckstein.
1: Ooh, I'm all about Spezio. I actually drew a little fake go- goatee <laughs> in red. red permanent marker last <laughs> I saw you tweet
2: that.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's embarrassing. Uh, okay. Prime Jim Edmonds in center field or Prime Carlos Beltran in center field?
2: I'm Jim Edmonds. Yeah, I'll go with Edmonds
1: as well. Edmonds is my favorite player, although, man, I don't know if any single player has killed the Cardinals more than Carlos Beltran did. All right, guys, I'm out of
0: questions.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I guess we did. That was God, that was fun. I miss him already. All right, guys, we're out of time here. Thanks so much for listening at home. Thanks for joining me, boys. Tune in on Thursday. We'll have another pod. We'll have a, a different cast here of contributors ready to give their take. So thank you so much for listening and make sure you check us out next week.
0: Go birds.